are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres, Dominic Stern, Bobby Murphy, as always, and we're here to recap the absolutely thrilling series that, of course, ended up in, in a positive direction with the Padres, ended up taking game three, but Bobby, that was as good of a series as I can ever remember in the regular season, and the Padres-Dodgers rivalry, or whatever you want to call it, series one lived up to the hype, for sure. Yeah, Dom, this has been the most exciting Padres regular season series I can remember in so I can't remember in so long. I don't know the last time there was a series with this much hype coming into it uh, for a regular season, at least. Um, and just every single game with the hype that went into it, with the not just us and the daughters, but just all around the MLB. All the the whole MLB knows how good these two teams are, and this series totally delivered this weekend. It was so exciting to watch. I know the first two games did not go the way that we wanted and Padres fans wanted, but Regardless, all phenomenal games, super exciting series, and I can't wait for round two next weekend. Yeah, these two teams, they face off for four games at the end of this week. It's uh, certainly going to be another fun week, and I certainly look forward to that uh, for sure. So let, let, let's just, you know, get, get a few takeaways from the series. You know, Padres, you know, brief recap. Game one, lost 11-6, to and a thriller that ended up going to the 12th inning, and the Dodgers just blew it open. In the 12th, game two, Clayton Kershaw was fantastic. And then, of course, Mookie Betts makes the heartbreaking diving catch at the end of the game to just snatch all, all hopes and dreams away from Potters fans. But Tommy Pham got his revenge with his two RBI double in the eighth inning as the Potters won 5-2 to two in game three. What were your takeaways from this series? You know, it's for the Padres, the good or the bad. And I'm just the takeaways from the entire series. I mean, it just was a playoff atmosphere. I know we're not even a month into the the season at all yet, but just it, it was a playoff atmosphere the entire way. Uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of tension in game one and two. Uh, benches cleared in game one, partial clear in game two. So there was some tension in between the teams. Um, we saw that happen last year too a little bit, but it just tensions were flares were flying. Not 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 like at all like a fight or anything, but just the tension, the playoff atmosphere. I loved it. Um, and other than game one, where we did a lot of 11 runs, of course, five of that in extra in the 12th inning. But just our pitching was phenomenal in game two and three. Even in game one, I mean, Weathers, his first career major league starts, uh, he he was phenomenal. Uh, three and two-thirds, only one hit with three Ks. And he's just been great this year in his appearances. But game one, I mean, we just couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. The Padres did have 12 hits, and we hit three for 20 with guys – with runners in scoring position, and you can't win games like that, especially against the Dodgers. We've talked about that in the last episode that we need to hit with guys on with guys on second and third. Um, but Hosmer, I mean, down to his last strike, tied it up, bottom nine. That was so exciting. Hosmer has been so clutch this year when he needs to be. Um, we'll get to the game three hit, but he's now nine for 12 on the season with two outs with runners in scoring position. So when Hosmer needs to, he's the veteran on the team. Um, with playoff experience, World Series experience, and he's just putting the ball in play when he needs to, making clutch hits. It was an electric series. The only player that I really felt like came up clutch was Eric Hosmer. And, I mean, Profar had the hit in game one that, of course, tied it up. And Tommy Pham hit the ball hard twice when he needed to. The first one, you know, was caught, and that, that play was heartbreaking. But then he got the job done in uh, in game three to, to deliver the insurance runs. But, yeah, the, the runners in scoring position still needs to improve. 
But when you're facing a stout pitching staff like the Dodgers, you know, you can expect the numbers to be a little further down than where Potters fans want them to be. Now, that's not an excuse for it to not be good like it was this this series, but at the same time, the Dodgers pitching staff is really good. You got to give them a lot of credits for what they're able to do all series. And, of course, you know, I I mentioned this. uh, The Dodgers are winners, and that's what they do better than any team in baseball until they get to October most of the time. But all they do is they grind out victories. Uh, they'll, they'll win the close games against the good teams. They'll blow out the bad teams. And, you know, lose lose a game or two every series, like like this series. That That's how they roll. That's how they roll. They do this every year. And at the end of the day, the Potters are still learning to be winners. They had that one winning season last year. It was just a short season. And then this year, they're still learning. And, you know, the, the games this series – the results of them don't necessarily matter. It's about the growing process of this team because it's still a really young team. Trent Grisham, Manny Machado, Will Myers, even Manny Machado, a lot of these players haven't had a ton of winning experience in their past. So the more they're winning and the more they're finding out, you know, these clutch situations in which they have to come through to win, the better they're going to end up being. And that, that is my biggest takeaway. And how the Padres responded from losing the first two and then being down two nothing today earlier today, and the pitching staff then absolutely shoving. I mean, after the Chris Taylor home run, eight innings scoreless, and I think only one more hit was allowed after that, and that was by Keone Kella. So the pitching staff deserves a lot of credit for how they pitched the series. Oh yeah, Dom, I totally agree. I mean. Coming into the season, we knew our strength would be the bullpen, our rotation, and just throughout the entire series, or mostly game two and three, of course, they were absolutely phenomenal. I know we did talk about this. We were watching the game together on Friday. That was a fun one to watch together, heartbreaking at the end, but it was fun to watch with you, as always. Um, But yeah, we were talking about it when we brought in uh, Mark Melanson in a non-safe situation. Remember how good Kirby Yates was a few years ago, a best closer in the league that season, and he just struggled in non in non-safe situations and he did again on friday um but i mean we did end up tying of course with that hosmer hit bottom nine but yeah i mean it was just a tough it was a tough game uh we couldn't hit with guys on base we could hit we just couldn't get clutch hits when we needed to be um and of course scoring six runs against this dodgers team is not an easy feat uh allowing 11 against this lineup of course that was just game one but our pitching was on for the last two games of the series for sure yeah, like I said, they deserve a lot of credit. And it's still not even at 100%. Denelson Lamette could be coming back for this series. That is something that we don't know. And we're just going to have to speculate that. Of course, we'll talk about that when we end up previewing the series against the Brewers. And, you know, I mean, a lot of bullpen guys have gone down as of late. And we've had some guys returning. And I, I just want to talk about Austin Adams like before we get really deep into it. Adams have looked really bad to start the season. He looked so good in in the third game today on Sunday. I mean, he struck out all three batters, which was Corey Seager, Justin Turner, and then I forget who bats for who batted fourth today. But I tweeted about it. I mean, he, he I was, it was just Will Smith. Yeah, it was Will Smith. I mean, he made him look like fools, and it, it was certainly good to see that because the Padres gave up a hefty price in that that trade for Seattle, and you know to to see him. Finally, make that good outing this year after coming off the injured list was a very encouraging sign. So let's talk about these games individually. I mean, game one, I mean, this has been the best game of baseball so far this year. 
It was a thriller. The Padres jumped out to a one nothing lead in the second inning, courtesy of a Campusano single. I mean, he laced that ball. He'd been a guy that had been struggling. Started this game because Ryan Weathers was on the bump, making his first career start. They had a little bit of minor league chemistry, so they said, all right, let's put Campusano behind the plate. And he came through with the plate. In the fifth inning, Rayleigh hit a home run to uh, to tie it up, but then Fernando Tatis Jr. hit his second home run of the season off Walker Buehler. Uh, he responded to then put the Padres back up on top, but unfortunately, it, uh, it didn't last for that much longer as the Dodgers, with runners in scoring position, hit a ground ball. Fernando Tatis Jr. made another throwing error. It wasn't necessarily his fault on this one. Uh, a lot of people were pointing out that Jake Cronenworth was late to get to the bag at second base, and that's definitely true, but Nonetheless, ball got away, and then again they scored on a uh, on a wild pitch, and uh, that that gave the Dodgers a two run lead at that point. And you're like, oh come on, they they got runs on no RBIs in that inning. It was a uh, it was a brutal inning to watch to say the least. And then in the seventh, Tatis Jr. he also allowed a double play, uh, and then ended up uh, scoring on a throwing error because he hustled it out. And the Dodgers. Uh, extended their lead in the eighth inning. But then Profar, like I mentioned earlier, he tied it up with that line drive down the left field line. But then in the ninth inning, Mark Melanson came in for a non-safe situation as a closer. And it's very well documented that they do not do well in those situations. And he blew the game. But the Potters came up clutch. Eric Hosmer uh, cashed in. Manny Machado after Manny uh, got on base, stole second, hurt his shoulder, uh, moved up. Uh, and then he scored uh, from third on the hit. It was electric. And then the Padres, they held the Dodgers scoreless in both the 10th and 11th innings in extra innings, with, even with the runner starting on second base. Bullpen did their job, but the Padres stranded multiple runners in the 10th and 11th inning, and then in the 12th inning, the Dodgers just opened it up. And at that point, the game was over because the Dodgers scored five runs. So uh, what, what were your takeaways from this first game? Because this was such a great game. Yeah, I mean, two of the main ones. Uh, I like to just talk about the Tatis uh, uh, and Cronenworth play. Uh, two runs scored off that. We lost the lead on that. Um, and, of course, there's two outs right there with a the runner on third. Tatis did what he had to do. He laid out, tried to do as much as he could to get the get the out at second. But that's just a tough play, tough throw. And it, been, and it was a tough pick for Cronenworth. So it's kind of tough to – I hate on either of those two for missing that play, which of course we're not hating on them, but it's a tough play on both sides. Uh, you have to do it to save a run. And unfortunately two runs scored on it. Um, so that, that was tough, but um, just what I was saying earlier, just three for 20th runners in scoring position, especially going into with the new of the uh, extra inning rules uh, with the guy on second with no outs, both us and the Dodgers, we have some of the best, we both have the top lineups in the league. And with the guy starting on second base with no outs, 10th and 11th inning for both of us. We just need to be able to get that guy in and we win the game. Two innings, uh, we were unable to do it, striking out, looking too much. Uh, and it was just it was just poor play performances in the 10th and 11th inning right there. Yeah, I mean, it sucked. But, I mean, I, 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 we watched this game together and it was hard to be frustrated after that game because, obviously, the Padres, they had their chances to win it. And you would have loved to have them win that game. But that was just such a great baseball game that, like, you're like, hey, you know, those are the games that you want to lose, like that that great game. And, uh, you know, you can't hang your head too much on it. The Padres are right there. And that game was awesome. 
my entire eyes of baseball were on it. And Saturday's game didn't disappoint much either. I mean, after this game, uh, it was tough. You Darvish walked in uh, a run when he walked Clayton Kershaw in the fifth inning. And then the Potters had another chance to score in the seventh inning. And then there was a double play by Will Myers. It was a great play uh, off the hit off Kershaw and then Chris Taylor made a great play. Then the ninth inning, Justin Turner extended the lead to 2 nothing. It was only the Dodgers' third hit of this game. And then at, at the end of the day, in the ninth inning, the Potters had a shot to win it. Runners on second and third. Tommy Pham up, crushes a line drive in the left center field, and Mookie Betts makes uh, by by catch percentage the best catch of the year. Uh, he had a 10% catch probability. And uh, if you've ever heard me talk about Mookie Betts, I rave about his defense. And uh, the defense showed up on that play. He robs Tommy Pham of what would have been a much-needed hit. And who knows if if Mookie Betts whiffs on that ball. That ball is getting all the way to the wall, and Tommy Pham is fast enough. You never know what happens. Um, so it was heartbreaking. It, that one was heartbreaking. Like, that one hurt. The game one didn't, but game two hurt. What, what did you think of game two? It, um, I mean, it was just the same thing. Not the same thing as game one at all. Pitching matchup, Kershaw versus Darvish, absolutely insane. It's a crime that Jarvis goes seven innings, one hit, one run, nine Ks, and gets the loss for that. Obviously, he put himself in that situation in the fifth inning when he walked, when he beat the guy, allowed a single, walked a guy, and with two outs, Kershaw up. I mean, out of all the pitchers, he's a solid hitter of of all the pitchers in the league. But you can't be walking a pitcher. With, you can't be walking a pitcher with the bases loaded. Um, of course, we didn't lose solely on that. They did punch another run with the home run off Pagan in the eighth, but that just hurts that they went in um, just got a run off of that. But it was an absolute gem from Darvish, one hit in seven innings, and he pitched a phenomenal game. And it sucks that we had to go against Kershaw, um, and we could not get anything going. I mean, Dodgers, the Dodgers and Padres both had three hits the entire game each. Um, so it was just an absolute gem from both teams. Um, Pierce Johnson pitched a solid inning, and Pagan, of course, allowed that home run, but – uh, it was it was a great game that Mookie Betts catch. I mean, fam, we we've been talking about it. Fam has not been playing well. Uh, we'll talk about his head in game three in a sec, but he's been hitting the ball hard. And right there, that's just totally unlucky. He put exactly where where he needed to, pretty much. Uh, and just Mookie Betts, of course, you would rave about Mookie, second best player in the league in my opinion, no doubt. But he's just absolutely insane. His defense is insane. Um, and of course, with Bellinger out, Mookie moved from right to center, and he still gets that play done. Uh, but oh my God, there's just so much pain watching him lay out and catch that ball. And the thing is it wasn't even in the like web of the glove. It was right on the palm and it was just centimeters away from hitting the ground, but kudos to bets. That was an insane play, saved the game. And everyone's saying like everyone's hating on, not everyone, but some Padres Twitter guys are hating on Mookie for like freaking out, screaming, banging his chest three times. Like it's not a rivalry. Regardless of who you play, you make that play to save the game. If you miss it, you could lose the game. You make it, you win. It's just an insane, an insane play that he made, and he, of course, should show that emotion regardless of what the game is, what inning it is. That was a phenomenal play from Mookie Betts. But, yeah, just again, Padres went one for six with guys in scoring position, left seven guys on base. Um, but it was just a, another phenomenal game all around to watch. Yeah, I mean, the runners in scoring position tells the tale. And, yeah, I mean, 
listen, you, you can't be hating on Mookie Betts because, like, say Trent Grisham makes that play. Like, we're going to be going nuts. I, I, I don't care. It's just Potters fans being upset that Mookie Betts made a great play and it, it hurt the Potters. Like, I get it, but at the same time, take a chill pill. It happens. He made a great play. At the end of the day, we're all baseball fans here, and you have to be able to respect that play. And that, that was the same thing with the Bellinger robbery of Tatis. It sucks. Like, and, you know, the reactions that followed it sucked too for the Padres. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to say, you know, our guy did everything he could. Hit the ball hard, put it in a tough spot, and they made an even better play. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't put too much weight into it. it obviously, you don't want to see him celebrating like that because you want that ball to get down and you want to see him laying down on the ground and like looking at the ball roll to the wall. But that's just not what happened. So moving on to game three. Uh, this game was started by Blake Snell. Chris Taylor got the party started with a two-run home run in the second inning. Those were the only runs that the Dodgers would score all day. In the fourth inning, Jake Cronenworth took Trevor Bauer deep. So was, uh, Trevor Bauer has yet to defeat the Padres. All five times he started against the Padres, Trevor Bauer has lost. So found that an interesting note. He was certainly not the reason they lost today. He went six innings, only allowed one run, and he struck out seven guys. He was fantastic. But... Bullpen, look, Bruce Gratterall comes in, does not get the job done, and he uh, he gets responsible for the blown save. That was the Dodgers' third blown save of the series, and they were pretty damn close to having four blown saves if Mookie Betts doesn't end up catching the ball and making the diving catch. And then in the seventh inning, Eric Cosmer drove in Manny Machado on the no-out double. Potters, unfortunately, couldn't capitalize. The fans struck out, Matea grounded out. And then after that, Caratini got out as well. It was just, uh, or no, Caratini got on. And then Will Myers grounded out to end the inning. It was just unfortunate. But the Padres, they capitalized in the eighth inning. And they, they capitalized on, on a break. Uh, Corey Seager made a throw here that gave the Padres a good opportunity to score. And they capitalized. Eric Cosmer, once again, coming up in the clutch with the RBI single up the middle. And then Tommy Pham cashing in with the insurance runs and the two RBI double. It was just fantastic. And it was important for the Potters to win this game and not get swept and stay afloat in the NLS standings. And I'm, I mean, this Sunday game is absolutely phenomenal to watch. Um, it included, I mean, a low scoring, phenomenal pitching game um, from all around. And uh, the Potters were just absolutely insane. As you said, Snell, five innings, only two hits, two runs, seven Ks, all both of those runs on that one home run. But yeah, like we talked about earlier, Austin Adams striking out the side, absolutely insane. Stamming coming in. Big stamming guys. But uh, yeah, one inning, two strikeouts. That was phenomenal. Kella, the only other hit allowed in the game besides the two Snell allowed. He, he had a great game. And then Melanson, of course, coming in, shutting down the save for six of the season. No surprise there. Melanson has been phenomenal this year. But yeah, I mean, Hosmer has just been so clutch this year. Um, he had those two RBIs today. Uh, and it was just such a fun game to watch. Jake the Rake with the 427-foot home run to right. Um, but it was just another phenomenal game to watch with the comeback. Late late in in comeback, of course. Um, and Tommy Pham with the uh, insurance and the in the cushion. That was awesome to see for him. Hopefully that gives him a big confidence boost going into the series against the Brewers. But that was huge right there. And props to Tatis after he got called out at third. I mean, he said I was safe. And after watching the replay, they reviewed it, overturned it, called him safe. Um, but if he doesn't do that, I mean, he, he knows if he's safe or out. But if he doesn't say, yo, Tingler, 
look at, take a look at that again, then we don't get two runs right there. So that was just great job on Tatis to call that, but just a phenomenal game all around to watch. Yeah, he, he did his part. And, you know, he, he drew a walk. He drew a very crucial walk uh, against Dennis Santana, who struck him out looking uh, to end the 11th inning, I believe. It was one of the two innings and extra innings in game one. So great rebound by Tatis. He's still swinging a little bit too much for the fences. Uh, I mean, he crushed the ball earlier today, just hit it straight at Justin Turner. That, of course, is unlucky, and it's kind of been one of the big stories of the Padres season so far. He's going to break out. I mean, the, the stats, he, he's he's better than what his stats show so far to start the season, and he'll end up being fine. I'm very confident in that aspect. But the Padres just being able to grind out at-bats uh, against the bullpen was very crucial. and. You know, that's, that's stuff you got to do because you're going to be facing these guys all year. Gratterall, Alexander, Santana, you're going to be seeing them a lot. And you're going to be seeing the other Dodgers bullpen guys like Trinan. He's been used a lot. Gonzalez has been used a lot. And, you know, the Potters, they've been doing better against them. And the more you can grind them out, the more pitches you'll see, the better off you'll be when you face them later in the year when the at-bats are a little bit more important, I would say. So... Uh, last episode, we did not do our devil and walk out of the week because we're doing them uh, bi-weekly or just at the end of the week. So it's our turn. And I, of course, have the honors of choosing our devil of the week. And to me, this was an easy choice. It wasn't as easy as Bobby's choice last time. We didn't show Musker for the no-hitter. But I'm going to take the clutch RBI, man. It's going to be Eric Hosmer. Uh, over the past seven games, he's got a hit in six out of seven of them. And he's been up at the top of the RBI leaderboard for the Padres. Doesn't have a home run since uh, the series in Texas, but that's fine. He's still doing his job. He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's not launching it uh, like he had been, but he's hitting the ball hard and it's finding holes. When you hit the ball hard, it makes it a lot easier to get through the infield. And that's what he's been doing. Eric Cosmer is going to be my devil of the week. Cosmer, I mean, he was came in so clutch in these in this series. Uh, just super fun to watch the veteran on the team right there uh, for mine. I mean, for, for this one, I mean, it wasn't an easy one at all, um, but I'm going to go with Victor Caratini. He c- caught amazing games. That's why uh, it was kind of tough for me to pick him, but he was one, he's one for his last 18 at the plate. Um, and of course with Austin Nola coming back whenever he may be, um, I would like to see um, Caratini just get more comfortable at the plate um, and give Nola a run for his job when he gets back. Of course um, he did. He was, hitting great earlier in the season, um, been catching great. Of course, caught the no hitter. Um, but I, I'd love to just see him just get more comfortable up there. Um, and just know that he has a, a job that he has to fight for to keep. Yeah. It's funny. Cause he's been a much hitter, uh, when you Darvish is on the mound and, uh, it, at the, the, his splits when Darvish is on the mound and when another pitcher's on the mound are crazy, but in the series against the Dodgers, he ended up going over three, with three strikeouts when Darvish pitched, and then he didn't do that much better when Blake Snell is on the mound against the Dodgers. So that's going to be an interesting thing to note because he was getting a lot of hype from uh, Potters fans. Like, hey, could you potentially be the sole starter for the San Diego Potters? I I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. And he's a better hitter than what he's been at lately, but uh, he, he had a bad week uh, hitting-wise. But as long as he's catching good games, that's what matters most, and Potters fans need to accept that. So take the results for what they're worth. All right, Bobby, we are going to move on into the series preview, uh, the series against 
the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, they've been off to an interesting start, and uh, they're in a very weak division, the NL Central, but the Brewers, they're 8-7. and seven. Uh, They have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball, but their offense has been extremely lacking, and uh, they currently have a plus-14 run differential, which is pretty solid, but at 8-7, that's really advantage. They find themselves in second place in the NL Central. What else can you tell us about the Milwaukee Brewers? I mean, you pretty much already went over it. Uh, they have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. Of course, we'll get to them in a sec, but Woodruff and Burns, they're absolutely insane pitchers. Burns, I mean, I, of course, he's on, he's had a few starts, um, but he used to be a reliever, and he's now a starter. I think uh, 2020 was his first year as a full-time starter, and he's just been absolutely insane this year. Looking at his, just his starts game by game, he's been the top three starter in all of baseball um, just so far. Of course, not consensus, but he's just been absolutely insane to watch. Same with same with Woodruff. He's been phenomenal too. Uh, their lineup is just, they're just around the middle of the pack. Um, nothing huge there, but um, three game series, of course, you can't just, you can't just hope for a three game swoop every time um, winning the series um, would be ideal. If we lose two, then it's disappointing. But um, yeah, this team, I mean, they're, I don't want to say they're not at all mediocre. They're eight and seven in second place, but it's, just like the win loss, win loss, win loss. They'll go on a little bit streaks of wins or losses, um, but they're pretty inconsistent. Um, consistent with the wins and losses, of course. But yeah, I mean they're a fun team to watch. Their pitching staff is absolutely insane. Um, of course, they have Hater, they have Devin Williams, who they haven't pitched that much this year. But when they're both playing, those two guys are some of the scariest relievers to go against in baseball. Yeah, this team is obviously highlighted by their pitching staff. And you mentioned it, Burns and Woodruff are their two best pitchers, and they'll be starting the series off. So uh, just like the Potters got with the Dodgers, they're getting lined up against the Brewers' best three starters. I I don't know if they did that on purpose, but uh, the Brewers just lost the series to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, just like the Pirates were able to take uh, two out of four against the Padres, and Padres fans were, uh, were losing their minds, at the same time, the Pirates followed up and won the series against another pretty solid team. But, yeah, you look at the offense and this team, their offense struggles. I mean, I don't really think there's another way around it. And their, their best player offensively is Christian Yelich. I mean, I think everyone knows that. He was off to an okay start, but he got placed on the injured list this week, so he actually won't even be playing in the series. So you're looking at the rest of their lineup, and they don't have a ton of production from Really, anyone. Uh, a couple of good hitters. Travis Shaw's off to a solid start. He's got a 119 OPS plus. Omar Narvaez, their catcher, has definitely been their best player so far. Uh, he has a 171 OPS plus, but you look at everyone else and nothing else really stands out. Uh, it's really just the pitching staff. So if the Potters can find ways to put dents in the pitching staff, they'll put themselves in a very good spot. And of course, as you mentioned, Yelich will be out for the series. Uh, of course, one of the best players in baseball. And he's been having a better year. He struggled a little bit last year. Um, but I mean, Lorenzo Kane, one of their big names. He's been struggling this year as well. Uh, one guy I'm excited to see, Luis Urias. I remember uh, when I first met Dom, one of the, the first pictures I ever saw of him was at Petco with a huge free Urias sign. So we always know how ex Padres players do against the Padres. So. Hopefully, of course, the Luis Urias does not go off against us, but it'll be exciting to see him in the series. Uh, he's been struggling this year, hitting 154. 
uh, only six for 39 at the plate with 13 Ks. Uh, he has drawn a lot of walks. He's drawn 12 in 14 games. So he's leading their team in drawn walks. Um, so he's been getting a little bit of, of more um, plate composure um, or plate discipline. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a fun guy to watch. Uh, you already mentioned Travis Shaw, um, but it's all around. I mean, even Colton Wong, he's was one of the good signings in the offseason. He's really struggled. He's two for 19 in the seven games that he's played. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, this offense isn't anything to be scared about. Um, can't take anything for granted, of course, but because anything can happen in a baseball game. But, I mean, this pitching staff is scary. Um, we'll see how our lineup does against them. Of course, after we just went against this, this Dodgers team in game two and three are very low scoring, we'll see how this goes against Woodruff and Burns in this series against the Brewers. Yes. Uh, you know, it's the starting pitching staff is the big concern here. And Corbin Burns, uh, I don't think a lot of Potters fans know a lot about him. 18 innings so far in the year and three starts. He's got 30 strikeouts and he's only allowed one run and four hits. I mean, that is scary. And I can say this pretty confidently. The Potters lineup is going to be the best lineup he's faced so far. Maybe, maybe the twins, but, uh, he ended up getting the loss against the twins. He allowed one earned run that game and uh that wasn't enough because the team lost two to nothing but uh you get woodruff in game one though and woodruff i do remember last time woodruff started against the padres and padres actually beat him twice so we'll see if they can make that a third time and then the third starter in the series for them is going to be adrian hauser and he is a 3.14 era and 14 innings so he's off to a good start as well like i said Padres are getting three of their best starting pitchers. Uh, Freddie Peralta is also pretty good. And, I mean, even Brett Anderson, who uh, he's an older guy, but uh, he's got a 265 yard So, I mean, there really isn't a good matchup uh, in this series, but these guys, they're all good. And the Padres get their one, two, and three guys. And for this series, um, we will have uh, Musgrove on the mound game one, Paddock game two, and uh... – um, weather's game three as of right now. And I mean, of course, Musgrove, we saw his no hitter, came back, only went four innings in his start after that. Because, of course, we don't want to pitch, go, have him go too deep after going nine complete game, nine, nine innings in a complete game in that no hitter. But Paddock, he had a, his best start of the season, his last start, five innings, uh, only one earned run, uh, three runs, but one earned. And then Weathers, he was great against the Dodgers in his starting game one on Friday. Um, but yeah, one thing that the Padres need to do, I believe we're leading the MLB in ground into double plays right now. So against the pitching staff, we just can't be giving, just can't be hitting the ground balls uh, with guys on. Um, just got to avoid double plays as much as possible because that's one thing that we've been struggling with a lot right now. Yeah, and you mentioned it as of now when you're talking about the starting pitching because we truly don't know. Nothing's been finalized. And who knows? I mean, Denelson Lamette is kind of like the reason that hasn't been finalized because it seems like he's going to be making a start at some point this week. Uh, of course, like I mentioned, nothing is confirmed. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's Musgrove, Paddock, Weathers at this moment. And we'll see because you can push them back and maybe get some extra length out of them. Uh, I believe Paddock set a career high for pitches in his last outing. And then, yeah, you already mentioned Musgrove talking about um, when – he threw his no-hitter, and then he had to come back because, of course, Musgrove's no-hitter was also a new career high for pitches. So that is a big thing to look for is, you know, are the Potters going to activate Lamette at all this week? And if they do, who are they going to send down? So it'll be curious 
And I'm excited to see what they do. And I mean, this series, if we can win two out of three, get momentum into another series with the Dodgers, like we said, mentioned earlier, Thursday uh, starts the four game series against the Dodgers um, into the weekend, Sunday night baseball and ESPN. Of course, we don't need to talk about that too early, but if we can get momentum going into that weekend series, that would be huge. Um, win at least two out of three here, and that would make Padres fans and, of course, the Padres team happy. Yep. You got any more notes about this upcoming series? No, I do not. Uh, just one thing. Sorry, I meant to say this earlier, just against the Dodgers. I did, I did love to see uh, Gratterall came in. Of course, we tied the game off of him. Uh, we all know what happened last season with Gratterall, um, the Rob uh, home run in the playoffs. And then um, Santana, after he, he kind of beefed with uh, with uh, Mateo on Friday, uh, we got the go-ahead runs off him too. So that was that was fun to see. Uh, just, of course, one of the best – series I've seen ever as a Padres fan and probably the best series all around this far into the season in all of baseball. Yep. Great series. The next series is going to be good, but the Padres got the Brewers on their hand. You know, like you mentioned, two out of three would be awesome. Yeah. Try and split Woodruff and Burns. And then if you do that, then you want to try and take game three against Hallier, but it's going to be tough. And, you know, the Potters might be a little emotionally exhausted after after this big series. So we'll see how they're able to respond. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in to Devil's Talking Padres. Uh, you can find Bobby and I on Twitter. Find Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000 Find me at DMster19. And then, of course, follow us at East Village Times. So whenever we post uh, any of our content, that's at EBT underscore news on Twitter. Bobby, what's the Potters record when I write game recaps so far in the year? Um, a lot to zero, four, five. I it's a lot. Potters are four and zero when I do the game recaps, and uh, I of course was on the game recap for this uh for this Dodgers game. Then our uh, one of our editors was like, "All right, he texted us last night. He's like, right, Potters recap needs to be claimed." I'm like, "Yep, yeah. I'll do it." I'm like, "I'm like, we need some good luck. I'll do it." And uh, Potters came through, so that was awesome. And uh, we'll see what they're able to do in this upcoming series against the Brewers. But for now. Take care. We will come back to you with another episode Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. And uh, until then, go Potters and let's beat the Brewers.